Hey guys, uh, it's Mary from From the Top. I wanted to come on really quickly and just give a little disclaimer right before we get into this week's episode. We do talk about some really fun things in the show, but we also talk about some really heavy things, including, but not limited to, mention of suicide multiple times because that is kind of a core idea of this show. So if this is not for you, that's totally fine. Feel free to skip this show. But uh, please be advised that listener discretion is advised, especially for those listeners who might be under the age of 13. Enjoy the show. So was 1980 Ohio just Beverly Hills 90210? (laughs) I mean, if you have to ask the question. The, The source film especially, the little tiny podunk towns of Ohio trying to be like LA circa <laughs> 90210. Like circa. Their, their idea of what LA bougie life is, you know? Oh my God. And croquet is absolutely necessary. Oh yes. And the fact that um, her mother is not serving pate. Something liver. Liverwurst. Liverwurst. Is it liverwurst? Sure. I think so. When she sticks the bocce ball in the... It's just like... She's so Uh, entitled. It's so Yeah, we'll actually talk about croquet, but I think we need to continue our discussion to get a little deeper into that. So I think we need to take this... From from the the top! top. From the top! A five, six, seven... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of From the Top, your favorite musical theater cast and review. My name is Mary. And I'm Stephen. Stephen. And Stephen. Oh, God, I totally ruined it, but I love the fact that you did that. Oh, that was beautiful. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, gaties, ladies, babies, and everybody who identifies as a Heather or a JD, uh, tonight we are back in the booth again because this show is so iconic and so deep and so so meaty that we had to split this into two episodes tonight on the marquee we are discussing heathers the musical part two it's a beautiful freaking Because we could not put it into one episode, and well, I mean, okay, we could have put it into one episode, but I we love you all but so it's much. It's a disservice. It's it is a disservice, disservice because there's so much to cover. There is, and I think there's a lot of points to like talk about, and I think this is a better way to to talk about it. And let's be real, people aren't going to listen to a three hour long podcast of you and I waxing poetic about this musical, or maybe we have like a handful of people like the Phantom of the Pod, and then the you know the um, theater ghost who probably would do that. However, en masse, the majority would not. So we have to break this up into the correct bite-sized pieces, the corn nuts, if you will, that are are easily... crunchy tidbits, That are easily digestible. Veronica, corn nuts! Sorry. Iconic. It's just (laughs) iconic. Um, So last we mentioned, we we were talking about our personal high school experiences, and we had just spoken a little bit about this opening number of this show. 
and and all of that. So I oh. think let's continue our journey. So I love it. Let's do it. I think the next pivotal point that we need to talk about is candy store, which is where the uh, Heathers oh. are ingratiating Veronica into you're one of us or you're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is a great song. And uh, I mean, I'll, I'll already say something maybe a little meh. <gasps> this deserves a spot in musical history. I'm just going to say it. I love it. Say it. Do it. I think it's an upbeat version in a way of like word of your body from Spring Awakening. Oh, a very bold comparison. Because I comparison. think there's, a, there's like a double entendre going on. Or maybe it was just mine. Come cream away the, the bliss. bliss. Maybe maybe there was a little bit of that. But um, I, I get a little double entendre because, of course, you know, they're talking about a candy store. Wink, wink, sugary treat. But you, but they, uh, you have the explanation of things that are going to happen as it sort of unfolds, and you get to sort of see the sinister side of the Heather's in in these lyrics. And you know, it's not all perfection and croquet, you know. Uh, But yeah, you get to see Chandler maybe most of all show her prowess in full. Yeah, I feel like this is a in the grander scheme of the score of this show, I feel like this is kind of the song where the stakes are kind of set pretty much in stone where Heather Chandler, I mean, basically states that she's the alpha, right? And she's got these two girls that are kind of going in tow and will do anything that she says because they're either afraid of her or they want to be her. And she is... Yeah, stating very clearly that if you're not with us, you're against us. And if you're against us, you won't exist anymore. And it's very, very plain and very kind of just is what it is. There's no real kind of like sugarcoating to it, even though the song is called Candy Store, which I find funny. But it is really a power song. And I agree with you that I think it is something that should be in theater history. It is such a pivotal moment for Veronica to also go, oh, this is who I'm dealing with. Mm, Because up until now, it's been very like, oh, we've been nice and oh, it's been fine. Oh, I get to sit with them and people leave me alone. But now it's like, put up or shut up, babe, because this is the moment. And it's, I mean, because, you know, you have that, you know, the saying a kid in a candy store. Everything is perfect. Everything is bliss. It's going to be a party. Oh, yeah. You're going to get overloaded with things that you love. Oh, yeah. But then it's also the juxtaposition, right, of what happens if you only eat candy? Uh, you rot your teeth out of your skull and you die. You die. You yeah, die. exactly. Cholesterol, man. Oh, baby, but- heart disease. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> what was this motion? I don't know. I don't- don't ask. This was very Britney Spears circa like 2004. Oh, baby. Oh, God, I can't. Are we going to have a problem? You got a bone to pick? You've come so far, why now are you pulling on my dick? I'd normally slap your face off, and everyone here could watch. But I'm feeling nice, here's some advice, listen up. Overall, I do really enjoy this song, and I think it sets the tone, because if we don't see the Heathers become this physical being of three as a whole, then the entire show itself almost doesn't work. It is the title of the show. Oh, totally. We need to see a little bit bit of Sinister. We need to see the group think. We need to see who's in charge and what happens when this strong pyramid literally crumbles. Although we are set up from the beginning to know that the Heathers 
are ones to not be trifled with and they are school royalty and there's a lot of other euphemisms that go along with that. I think this song really does set it up for we have more power than you think that we do and don't make me show my hand because I will if I have to. It's a threat. (laughs) It's a promise, babe. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up. (laughs) It's a bop too. Let's be real. It's oh, a- it's it's so good. I've I've truly been listening to this soundtrack all week, and I'm it's it's just on repeat, just from one stem to stern <laughs> repeat. I just listen to it all, and it's fantastic. Absolutely. Um, but I I want to swiftly move into a different topic that I find uh, completely weird, and I want to talk to you about this because oh, I, I have weird. a strong opinion on this. Croquet in this show is superfluous and odd, and it shouldn't have even been a part of it. How dare you? Interesting. Okay, tell me your reasoning. They had to do it because of this 80s film. Like, it was it was a major overtone atmospheric player in this 80s film. Sure. So you have, you have to. Like, it would have been a disservice to the show to not add croquet into the show. Sure. But in this show, as it lives as a musical, for me, it seems so forced. And it was so completely unnecessary. Necessary. The film makes it like a status symbol, like they are the Heathers. They get to play croquet like royalty did. Right. In this show, you open up a scene and they're just playing croquet. You don't really get a tone or an atmosphere because of it. It's just playing into this iconic idea of Heathers as it was. So I, I'm I'm almost of two minds, yes, but I'm also going to dramaturg this and say this show it didn't make sense to have this happening in their backyard but i don't know i mean maybe for show notes i'm gonna have to look into it and see if there was this uptick in croquet in the 80s because of (laughs) heathers and see if like it was just normal i don't know but well i think it's interesting that you brought up the idea of uh the separation of classes because that is kind of the first now not having seen the source material the film for a very long time uh, that was the first thing that I kind of picked up was was seeing that, of course, of course, the Heathers are going to play croquet because all of them are coming from these rich backgrounds. Like they're either getting paid through school, they're getting a new rack or, you know, I'm spending on daddy's credit card. Like that's just kind of what it is. But the fact that Veronica is holding a croquet mallet and yet she does not play. She just stands there and she watches them play. They're all the ones that go through. I mean, really, Heather, um, Heather Chandler is the one that is doing the majority of playing it is a nod to the film absolutely that you the way that you talked about but i think too it does kind of set it up to show the difference to veronica's mother specifically because i don't know if that moment still would have happened if they had been doing something else so i pose the question to you then would you if you were directing the show would you have cut that into the croquet part entirely And if so, how would you introduce it to Veronica's mother that these girls are probably not the greatest people to be trusted? So then Veronica can coax her mother into letting her go to the party. No, I mean, if I'm if I were directing the show, I there's no way in hell I'm going to cut the croquet scene. Like there's no way in hell. Interesting. I just find it really like just the way that this libretto is and the way that they have 
molded their story. Sure. You have the huge opening number and the main Heather's entrance, where which is beautiful, quote quote unquote. Oh yes. No. <laughs> and then no and quotes then you have, needed. <laughs> and then you have Candy Store, which also sets up the characters' character, the Heather's characters, sure, individually and sort of what their hierarchy is. Sure. The whole point of Croquet in the film was to set their hierarchy higher. And those songs did that for them. The croquet scene in the film did that for them. Fair. If I were directing it, no, I can't cut that. It's a it's an iconic piece from the source. It has to happen. It's like grease lightning without a car. I mean, okay, I argue that you could do grease lightning without a car, but that is for a different show. I don't know. I I might not I not that I don't agree with you, but I, I actually really enjoyed this whole kind of moment and I mean again maybe it's because I hadn't seen the source material in a long time that it it didn't really feel very out of place to me it didn't feel very forced it felt very much almost like a mean girls moment where it's like get in loser we're going shopping Heather Chandler went get in loser we're gonna go play croquet and Veronica went well okay these are my friends well yeah but at the same time it's at Veronica's house Veronica is playing croquet and yet it seems disjointed in the fact that like Veronica's hosting with this group of three girls that are hoity rich um or Heather Chandler brought her own and she was like mm, or something you yeah don't have like this? I'm not sure oh, yeah I don't know okay. but I, we don't have the context of that we don't understand you're right we so don't. I don't know I don't know it's one of those things where I question it only because it doesn't make as much sense to me as it did in the 80s source material well that is the whole point of the show is to take the things and question them and we don't always have to agree, and I appreciate your perspective. And I believe it's all a part of his gigantic plan. I know God has a reason for each mountain and each flower, and why he chose to let our boys get busy in the shower. They were not dirty. They were not rude. They were just two stray laces in the Lord's big boots. Well, I never cared for homos much until I reared me one. But now I'm Original or barbecue? BQ. BQ. <laughs> Can I just say for a small moment how how interesting it is that I come from a generation of theater where it was you never ate real food on stage, especially sugar, because of what it does to your voice. And then this girl who played Veronica is eating red vines and then goes into a fucking aria about, oh. you know, we're what killed the dinosaur. And I'm just like, what? girl, let's talk about that scene. Let's do it. I it's my favorite scene in this show. Tell me why. Because they took one of the the meat cute moment from the original film mm -hmm. and they transformed it into something even better. I agree with and, you. And it's like you you get all of JD's backstory that he really isn't afforded in the film version. So you one, you're getting to see this character build. Sure. I'm also just a sucker for a juxtaposed song about an inanimate object or a situation that you can like connect to a character's <laughs> sort of like through line or struggles or motivations. So the idea of a building, a 7-Eleven being like <laughs> the one thing this, this character can anchor to. Yeah. This idea of getting a Slurpee 
and just freezing your brain to numb out that pain he is trying to do on the daily and that's super relatable as a teenager too like there are a lot of things happening your body's changing you're having a lot of heightened emotions and you just want it to numb now and then and freeze your brain just numb it out Oh. And it's it just makes me and he gets to explain this via the vehicle of music and a musical to Veronica and Veronica, I think, falls for him very much so in that moment because she not that he's damaged and she can fix him, but she sees the humanity in him where a lot of people just see confusion. I think that is an a kind of an excellent point, because a lot of the time Women, especially when you approach something like this, women always say to one another things like, you can't fix him or, you know, like, why are you wasting your time? And the defense is, well, just give him time. Like, if I give him enough love and support, like, I can fix him. And the fact that you have stated very clearly that Veronica's not out to fix him. I think she, in a subtle kind of way, appreciates the recklessness of JD because she is so used to being confined into, you know, rules by her parents, by school, by whatever. She's always the straight-laced kid. So she sees something in the, you know, the, the wildness and the freeness that JD seems to kind of exude and she yearns for that. She wants that kind of freedom. And I think that's ultimately why she falls in love with him because he is so, I mean, reckless is, I guess, kind of, I guess the best word for JD as we come to find out later in the show, but he's also super smart. Yeah, right? he's like, oh, you know, so dangerous. I think she's, she's dangerously smart. And so he's a thinker and she sees that, too. And that's what she's sort of because I think she sees herself in him in a way because he's like moonlighting in this world of high school. Well, she's moonlighting in this world of the Heathers where mm-hmm. she's not that, but yep. she's playing her part. And he's almost against that, which is what she wants to do. Well, and the fact that she even goes so far to say, you know, how did a Baudelaire quoting badass end up in, you know, Ohio? And that's <laughs> kind of the the gateway into being able to kind of tell this story, which I also think is a great character kind of development for JD specifically, because I get that he's the kind of person that would not open up really to anybody. And the fact that he has only really met Veronica, maybe like, I don't know, twice, like they've never really had a conversation beyond the thing at the locker where he didn't give his name. And, and then all of a sudden he opens up about this very vulnerable kind of, you know, development in his life where he's been without a mom since he was very young. It's such a great development moment for the two of them because it's the emotional buy-in. It's like Veronica's been desperately trying to go, give me your name. Like, I just want your name. And then he goes, okay, well, here's my name. And also here's my backstory because I trust yeah. you to keep that. I also like that he kind of calls her out on the bullshit. Oh, 1000%. What, what, what is it? Uh, you're planning your future, Veronica like Sawyer. You'll go to some college and marry a lawyer. Yes. But the sky's gonna hurt when it falls. So you better start building some walls. Like, it's so 
good uh like because... he's he's like i'm above it all i understand what's going on oh yeah well and this i'm like i'm giving you a little life lesson girl oh absolutely and what do you want to bet it's probably the first time that somebody has actually called veronica on her own shit because yeah. like this whole time she's been trying to be the straight-laced person and she's trying to justify playing both sides of the fence and shady is like you ain't fooling anybody sis why are you wasting your time she's yeah. like you know and the whole idea of like when they end up killing heather heather chandler she goes oh my god i killed my best friend and he's like yeah and your greatest enemy but like i mean it depended on the day like it was just yeah oh those those what was her response to that is there a difference is there a difference yeah like or something yeah Yeah. but it was so good and this show has so many big group moments but we i so i sort of treasure those tiny good ones that seem to have that real emotional connection it's good for jd specifically as a character to have that kind of moment because veronica has those all throughout the show like her dear diaries like we get to see kind of like the inner monologue that goes through her but jd kind of being this bad boy brooding protagonist antagonist it's fun to watch i'm 100 with you i think it's great yeah i mean and it's a 50 50 because you you get to see the little little bit of crazy coming out this guy likes a brain freeze. If you like a brain freeze, you're a sociopath. But you know me. what I'm saying? Yeah, but right? like fight me. Um, but I also think this moment also allows us to buy into the end where oh, he yeah. does pick up that bomb and he wants to save Veronica yeah. and he has a change of heart. And so I think it allows us to buy that, you know, he is a troubled person. He does have a good backstory and we realize that in sort of these earlier moments with him yeah and then we can buy in a little easier that he would try to he 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 recants yeah. his earlier decision to try to kill everyone so. deep inside of everyone there's a hot ball of shame guilt regret anxiety fears we dare not name but if we show the ugly parts that we hide away they turn out to be beautiful Uh, I, I'm not going to lie to you. It's one of my favorite kind of character like turns, I guess, because he could have easily kept to his own kind of set of morals is also the wrong word, but his code, he could keep to his own code and he could go, no, this, I need to send a bigger message. Like this is what it needs to be. He could have absolutely done that. But the fact that he knew that it would that it would end up with Veronica being part of that because Veronica was trying to get people out and and no one was listening. And the fact that he was like, I'm not willing to lose you to my own neuroticism, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I literally have this written down as like a major note that I love her last diary quote quote. I still believe there's good in everyone, even the worst of us. I believe we're all worth saving, and I guess that's a belief I'm willing to die for. We then get the small scene of them fighting, and JD says, I'm damaged, but you're different. You're the one we ought to spare. 
because he's essentially saying spare the ones with a vision for a better future and if jd's crazy psycho ass can see that i don't understand how the world at large can't but absolutely (laughs) yeah so it's it's one of my favorite like moments and sort of like his arc is interesting and sinister and crazy like he has that whole song where you get to see him go crazy do you want to know i'm gonna give you a little a little weird kind of um tidbit so uh i before we even even talked about doing this musical before I had even seen it. I have heard that section of the song where he goes crazy because uh, it was a clip on TikTok. Oh, it went viral. Veronica, open the open the door, please. Veronica, open the door. And every yeah. single person that I follow on TikTok did that sound clip. And I went, that's from Heather's, but I don't know where it is. And then I heard it in the musical. And all I did was mouth mouth the words that you know when jd is like when he's singing against the door but of course like you don't know the context of it knowing that veronica is faking her death to get him to leave her alone and i'm i'm gonna tell you that was about the biggest moment of tension for me in this show was hearing the heathers go you know he's coming up the stairs he's opening the way i mean like they're talking about how he is advancing on the house and now they're like well you don't have any time left so figure it out and then she goes into the closet and like it's just oh my god it i was on the edge of my seat steven it was freaking crazy like let's let's pivot this a little bit how about dead girl walking oh sure yeah so where veronica uh goes and visits jd after her binge night of drinking at this party and essentially ruins her life with the heathers i'm gonna i'm gonna turn this on you a little bit we're gonna get into an existential question about this show a little bit (gasps) i love an existential question did veronica in this musical bring this on herself did she in a way make jd officially snap oh i'm not victim blaming this is just an observation from the lyrics sure and then later sort of comes out in jd's actions looking at the facts and like presenting them and we can draw our own conclusions because i sort of saw some of these dots lining up and i went oh this is interesting so veronica visits jd in this musical in the film it's the opposite after this hard night jd actually goes through veronica's window sure smart switch because oh yeah she's drunk she's running around she's gonna go to the thing that she yeah. thinks feels good yeah. earlier that day she had this great moment with jd climbs through his window he even funnily asks how did you get my address so <laughs> in the middle of the song <laughs> she's drunk and she starts she's singing like dead girl walking she's explaining let's just have fun i have 30 hours to live some of these lyrics like if i just read these the little bit little cray 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 yeah, full steam ahead. Take this dead girl walk. How'd you find my address? Let's break the bed. Rock this dead girl walk. I think you tore my mattress. No sleep tonight for you. Better chug that mountain dew. Okay, okay. Get your ass in gear. Make this whole town disappear. Okay, okay. Slap me, pull my hair. Touch me there and then. There no more talking. Oh. This dead girl walking. Misconstrued and already sort of broken person's brain there are trigger things in there earlier she's like no you're the most beautiful thing i've ever seen no you're the one that i really want no 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 and then things like no make this whole town disappear touch me it's all good no no more talking just i'm a dead girl walking she's 
with all of this idea of just like, no, suicide's great. I know I'm dead. I know I'm going to die. He sees her pain and wants to make that better. Yep. Taking things like if when I go into a character study, I go into other people's text too, not just mine because acting is reacting, right? Right. Like I take away from this, make this whole town disappear. And in context, this town caused her pain and is now she's interested in JD. He wants to take away her pain. He's already counterculture. He's smart, clearly broken. So I don't know. Like I'm just putting these dots together and I'm like, well, if I were JD, I'd cleave to that moment and be like, that's when I snap and that's when I turn. I I would say that I would agree with you in that. And I think for me, the extra layer that's kind of underneath that is the fact that she is the first person who actually took the time to look at him, right? She's the first person who really looked at him and wanted to know things about him and wanted to make some sort of connection with him and didn't just go, ugh, you're a freak, like move on, get away from me. We set up in the very opening number of the show where everybody is called some sort of name. We're putting people into boxes, right? So JD probably for his entire life has been put into a box of a freak. Um, uh, I mean, I'll bet people probably called him a terrorist. They probably called him a, you know, like a school shooter. They called him a sociopath. Like there were a lot of boxes that JD got put in, but then Veronica went, what's your name? And it makes me think very much of like the crucible where it's my name. It's the only one I've ever had in my life and I will never have anything else. And that is who I attach my personality to is what do you call me? And I feel like that's probably the reason why he's, you know, when they sing our love is God, he looks at her and he goes, I worship you. Like those are words that you don't say to somebody that you've just started like seeing. That's a bit aggressive, but it's the fact that he went, she saw me for a human and I've got to do everything I can for her because this is all that matters now. And so, yeah, her coming in through his window and being, you know, being drunk, being very aggressive, but he didn't seem to mind it. He's very much like, yeah, okay. Even though, of course, in the rendition that we saw, he's very reluctant to, like, do the touching. And so she takes hands and goes, no, I need you to do this. Totally, yeah. But she's doing it because she wants to feel something and he's basically being a meat puppet at that point. And he's like, I oblige well, he's you. Not, he's, he's not going to say no. Oh, I mean, he's a teenage no. boy. Come no. on. I've <laughs> never been a teenage boy, but I'm here to tell you. <laughs> teenage boys, not that this is about, you know, like, yeah, victim blaming or like rape culture. And this isn't no. But if she is initiating the contact and she goes, I want this. He's like, well, OK, that's cool. Let's do the thing. But I, I yeah, I truly feel like, yeah, that was probably the first of the dominoes to go down that let him go oh my god i'm so attached and i can never not be because i right. love her so much i mean because like there, there is the layer that like she is inebriated if he were an upstanding unbroken person he would maybe. have said no yeah. yeah but i mean at the same time this is high school boys have one thing on their brain <laughs> yes and so, I mean, it's 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 hard. It's a hard thing to even like. It's a very layer. gray area. Who's, is there blame? Yeah. Is, or is it just an overall wrong place, situation? wrong time yeah, kind of thing? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just thought that was interesting to me. We bring up, be like, she's kind of culpable in this too. I think some of her actions instigated oh. some of this too. I mean, besides the fact he's already socially awkward. He's moved how many times in the last four years? Moved high schools? Oh my God. He says something like, I think it's like ten. I think maybe is six or sixteen or something. something like I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, we we look at Veronica's is as one thing, but her actions throughout this entire show 
are sometimes ulterior to her being put up as this heroine, so to speak. So, well, especially since the entire the entire scene that happens with Kurt and Ram is directly because she called them and baited the hook and said, Correct. meet me in the cemetery because, you know, I want, basically, I want you to fuck me. And they're like, which one? And she goes, yes. And it's like, that is directly leads into their demise because she sees JD with guns and he convinces her that they're not real bullets. It's like, sis, how blind do you have to be? These are, oh, but yeah, it's directly yeah. because she baited the hook and went, I need you to come here knowing that they're high school boys and that they want to get their dicks wet. So of course they're going to show up to the cemetery. But she was just under the spell of this really bad boy. I'm like, no, uh, you are culpable for your own actions. And you know what? This is getting me heated. This is actually getting me heated because <gasps> the same people Ooh. that cancel Dear Evan Hansen uplift this goddamn show. And I am here to tell you, I do not. I do not subscribe. It is a totally different situations. And I, I we will get into it when we cover that show. And it is such a hypocritical double standard. If you cancel Dear Evan Hansen, shame on you. And you still listen to this musical. Just saying. I feel like I need a button that just is, ooh, this tea is too hot for me. First of all, who in the fuck is canceling Dear Evan Hansen? Oh, it had a horrible time. What? Horrible time. Yeah, oh, people are just like, no, the, no, uh, no, this, this, this musical is canceled. I just don't understand how this guy can be. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this is more real and normal and probably happens on the daily than anything out of this show. But is it just because this show is so overly sensationalized that it's, it's because it's removed from the reality? We don't want to be faced with the reality of like, we make uh, these poor decisions and try to cover our lies and tracks all the time. We don't want to be faced with that. Is that a thing? I don't know. It's so anyway. campy that people give it a pass. The same conversation exactly. that we had. It's so campy and unrealistic that we give it a pass because we're like, oh, this could never happen in real life. Yeah, we'll absolutely get into it when we cover that amazing show. You but fucking I just wanted right. to bring up this double standard that exists and watching Ugh. this show. I'm always just like the fans of this show cancel that show. Idiots. Anyway. Shame on you. Yeah. Uh, fie on you, Sonny Malone. Fie on you, Sonny Malone. Desperate, will sink any minute, so someone must go. The tiniest lifeboat with people I know. Everyone's pushing, everyone's fighting. Storms are approaching this night. So let's talk about some songs that actually got replaced in this latest version and over time. 2018 was a really big change for this show. Sure. Um, Never Shut Up Again, by, that is sung by Heather Duke, was added in the latest sort of London runs of the show. Um, to me, it is one of my favorite songs in the show. And I think it actually holds um, a lot more weight, especially when it is sung by a person of color. Like, Never Shut Up Again. Like, there's a double meaning there that is beautiful. Sure. And I, I just hope that's not me, like, fishing for something. But I saw the power in the performance that we watched together. And I was like, you 
get it, girl. Well, especially since the from the beginning, Heather Chandler will always like it always is directed at Heather Duke. You know, shut up, Heather. Sorry, Heather. Like it every time it happens, it's always to Heather Duke. Yeah, Heather she's McNamara. the one that had to bend over and be the table. Yes, absolutely. And Heather yeah. McNamara is always just kind of there. She's present, but she's never really the brunt of the anger. I think it's in the croquet scene where she goes, I'm talking to my friend. And she's like, oh, sorry. She's yeah. always the reason why there's that little bit of tension. So for her to go, I will never do this again because I have been told so many times that I need to shut up. It's such a strong moment because not only for a person of color, but as a woman, we are told so often, sit down and shut up, be the little woman, like be seen yeah. and not heard. I, as a woman, am so tired of being told that. I have a voice that deserves to be heard. I have things that deserve to be said. And I will not be told to shut up again. Who the fuck are you to tell me that? So to have this entire song of that was so uplifting for me. Absolutely, 1,000%. And to be sung by a person of color was just like the cherry on top of that Absolutely. gorgeous cake. Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, some of the context has to, of course, be written to drive the story forward. So some of it isn't, like, the best connotation. Well, However, yeah. overall, the message of the song was Superb. so good. Superb. So good. Absolutely. It's my turn. It's my prize. I spit lightning quick. Boom. I bit my tongue so long. I learned to count to ten. My silence made me strong. I did my time and then absolutely forgotten when because we watched the latest version of this show mm -hmm. uh blue was the original song that ram and kurt were singing and it actually involved uh mcnamara and i think duke as well sure who, you know they were trying to save so this is the one in the the cow field scene where she's <laughs> they're cupping <laughs> cows has to go save them oh, but you're welcome replaced blue now blue is a pretty good song but uh, i'll read it directly from this was sourced from wikipedia o'keefe and murphy preferred you're welcome to blue and was replaced in 2018 during a london production blue had been perceived by audiences as treating date rape as a laughing matter and trivializing the issue by presenting it as comical quote boyish antics so they were like hey we should maybe replace this song thus was birthed you're welcome and it doesn't really shy away from showing that uh veronica's really in danger from these too drunk assholes. <laughs> you know? So it's making them the problem, not her in a way. So it's not making a joke of it. Sure. Which is, which I completely, I completely forgot that song existed. I had forgotten it and went, oh yeah, Wh where'd it go? <laughs> oh, well, this was a thing. Okay. But yeah, You're Welcome is a great replacement and I just, you're welcome. Because it also speaks to the the very nature of who those two characters are because they're playing into the dumb jock stereotype. Like that is exactly the hand that they're playing, which I think is great because it, it also makes me think of what can I say except you're welcome. I uh. want to get with you. 
You're welcome. You're welcome, because I'm hot <laughs> shit. You're super hot now, and so it's like a privilege to be with me, because like I'm cool and whatever. Babe, you used so many brain cells to form that sentence. Super proud of you, but also, it ain't gonna happen tonight. Um, It makes me think of the line from... <laughs> the bird cage i chew gum it helps me think sweetie you're wasting your gum Ugh. stupid theater pod ghost because oh no i was like oh this is so funny i was like oh this is, uh, i would love to audition for the show i'm getting a, we're, we're both probably a little old at this point to audition for this show eh, but probably eh. Uh, I was just like, oh, I'd love to audition for the show. And he's like, will you just be cast as Carter Ram immediately? So, <laughs> no. And I'm like, shut up. Well, it's because you're pretty and you would have to be shirtless on stage. That's why. No, that's not my favorite thing. <laughs> Dude, I got beef. <laughs> well, yeah, because the boys are asking, where's the beef? Because it's like Wendy's. I love that they make that right. reference. They like, do make that what? reference. <laughs> Treat like you walked by Cause once you were geeky and nerdy Now you're flirty, freaky and dirty You were nothing and nobody But now you're good enough to get with me oh, You're welcome Look where you are, you're welcome You want a football star, you're welcome Baby, what's that smell? That's the smell of me loving you Well, you're welcome Jesus, these two boys are just so beautifully dumb. It is the last song that we have to talk about. I didn't know this, and I was pleasantly surprised in the version that we saw. I had never heard of it, and when she started singing it, I absolutely get it. And I now cannot imagine this show without it. That I Say No song (gasps) that Veronica sings. The authors added a new song after Shine a Light reprise called I Say No. I cannot imagine this show now without that. We talk about goosebumps throughout this show. Yes. Uh, My jaw was on the floor (laughs) the whole performance. And like, I I was getting teary. I was getting goosebumps. My jaw was down. I was just like, this is what theater is. Yes. (laughs) uh... It was so powerful. Amazing pivot, amazing ad. And I, it immediately got like, added to my liked Spotify songs. So It's so wonderful to see it because it's very reminiscent of like Megan Trainer's song, you know, No, right? My name yeah. is No, my sign is No. But it's it's not just the idea of like shutting somebody down, but it's the idea that a woman can set a boundary and go, uh-uh, this is not okay with me. I say no. I am done with this. I'm done with you. I don't even need to justify this decision. I just get to be done because I say I'm done. And the fact that JD kind of feels very almost accosted by this, he's like, well, how our love is God. Like, how can you tell me no? And she's like, watch me. Well, she's finally calling him out because the, the line that sticks out for me is, you need help. I can't provide. Thank God, sis, you can't fix him. Yes, you can't help him. He's doing that last little bit, trying to doing the going through the seven layers of grief or whatever in his bargaining or whatever. He's like, but Veronica, I love you. And she's like, dude. (laughs) 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 And just continues on. It is her choice. It is her moving on. It is her absolute. I'm obsessed obsessed. Well, so now I have a a fun question that I'm going to ask you. If she hadn't have met JD, right? Like, do you think that the progression would have still been to I say no, but to the Heathers instead of JD? 
Or is JD the reason that she comes into her own and finally steps up to and, and serves herself and says, I am done with your bullshit because up until now, she's always been the kind of easygoing person who's never really kind of ruffled feathers or rocked the boat or said no to anybody. Do you want my simple answer to this? Yes, I do. Go. Just go watch Mean Girls and you have the version of that. But I love you. Dude. This is it. I won't cry starting now. I will try to pay back all the cover. Start again somewhere new. Far from cool guys like you. So goodbye. Cause now I say no. Just in time. absolute gold it is so it's so powerful and so again i mean not to play into the woman hand but i'm going to do it i love you just do it it is so difficult for me to set boundaries for myself to protect myself from i mean anything and everything and i am also the type of person that doesn't like to say no to anybody because i associate if i say no to somebody then that means they're not going to like me because i'm not giving them what they need and so the next time it happens they won't ask me for something because i already told them no once so i have these very toxic traits of myself that I don't know how to resolve or that I'm working to resolve. So then to watch Veronica have this entire like girl boss moment, I can't help you. I don't know what to do for you. You are absolutely fucked. And there's nothing that that is in this relationship that's going to salvage you. I need to be done. I literally it crushed so hard on her in that moment. Huge girl crush. Huge girl crush. Because I went, damn, that is a powerful woman who knows her worth and she knows what she's not willing to settle for. And it was so refreshing. I'm, I'm literally showing you. I, I have goosebumps even just thinking about it. That is how powerful this freaking oh, Steven. song is. It's so good. I it's love it. so good. Speaking of amazing songs, that little one that McNamara gets to insert of a lifeboat. Oh, oh, where she talks about if I wear the wrong thing or say the it wrong is, thing. Like, oh, the way that it was constructed, it's truly just like the best euphemism oh. I've ever heard about high school, about it just being this tiny little lifeboat on this yeah. treacherous like ocean. And she's quiet. She's timid. She's careful in the very beginning. And then you get the moment she lets it out. Like you get to see inside the screaming in her mind. And the way that it's built is so beautiful and powerful. And we all feel that. Like we connect to that just as humans. Because one, sometimes you're just on eggshells and you don't want to say the wrong thing. And you're just living life, trudging through, just doing what you can to not rock the boat. But inside, you're screaming. Yep. And then Martha's song about my kindergarten boyfriend. It just... To even think about it now, I mean, will probably get me emotional. So I apologize in advance if I get very teary. 
I relate to Martha Dump Truck so hard in a lot of different ways, but especially in this, through this song, My Kindergarten Boyfriend, where it's so simple in its storytelling because back when we were children, everything was so easy. It was, you got to say what was on your mind without any sort of kind of, I mean, you could be judged, but you were a child. You didn't know what that was. So you just went, you went on about your day. And the tiniest gift could mean, even if it's a scab on the playground, to hold on to those kind of moments, even when you, sorry, even when you get into high school and to hold on to the purity of those moments is just, is really kind of beautiful and heartbreaking because sometimes all you want to do is just go back to being able to say what's on your mind without somebody calling you a name. And for her to have gone to this length to put herself out there because she got a note from, quote, Ram that was, you know, that gave her hope and it sparked something in her that went, oh, he still thinks about me. And then to find out it was all fake is just something that really resonates right inside of my heart and my brain. It's about the hardest part of high school, I think, that I remember, is the fact that that innocence is just gone. And everything has this awful kind of cover over it where people will make fun of you for who you like and they will make fun of you for what you eat and... I mean, I went to a Catholic high school, so we could make fun of each other for our clothes because everybody was wearing the same clothes. But you could always find something to make fun of someone for. And then you have the Martha dump trucks who lose their best friends and then are so alone and they just go, I don't know what else to do. I'm screaming and no one's listening. So they throw themselves off of bridges because they think that that's the only option. And it's really, really devastating. We're all grown up and we know better. Now we recognize the way things are. Certain boys are just for kindergarten. Certain girls are meant to be alone. But I believe that any dream worth having is a dream that should not have to end. So I'll build a dream that I can live in And this time I'm never waking up And we'll soar above the trees Over cars and croquet lawns Past the church We think of those four years and those walls like as something everything that there is and ever will be and you know i think we can both agree as people who have been through it it is absolutely not i either need to give credit for the person who wrote the libretto because i haven't seen a libretto or the director because you get to see sort of the build-up of martha in this act two Um, the little moments where Martha gets overlooked, where she raises her hand at the assembly and the 
counselor overlooks her to talk to McNamara yeah. to give McNamara the floor, but Martha wanted to talk. <sighs> Yeah. And so you get you get to see even the adults aren't even paying attention to her. And that's almost like the final straw. And so if the adults aren't even paying attention to you. How and do so I get them I, to see me? Yeah. The only way to get them to see me is apparently to do this, which seems to be getting a lot of attention. And it, I, uh, I just kind of love that this does bring us full circle very much back to Spring Awakening where there is such a divide between the adults and the teenagers or the kids. And especially in this show, the teenagers are learning what hierarchy means and they're learning in a very toxic way, what it means to be part of the in crowd and what people are willing to do to be able to be seen and what they're willing to do to make their pain be known. And I mean, even though with Heather Chandler, it does come from, kind of a subterfuge because Veronica is the one that forges the suicide note. It's still the idea that we don't know somebody's true and full pain until they're gone and they can't tell it to us because would we have listened when they were here? And how many times have you, you know, heard people say, well, they were so nice and, and they were so bubbly and I just, I wish that they would have said something to me. I wish that they would have come to me and told me they were feeling this way, but it's like, they probably did. They've probably tried and we just get so deaf to it that only posthumously do we ever really reflect on that. And it's really heartbreaking that that's where we have to go. experienced everything you're going through right now. Guess who's right on the block? Your problems seem like life and death. Guess who's climbing the stairs? I promise they're not. Guess who's picking your lock? You don't know what my world looks like. Time's up, go say your prayers. Veronica's running, I'm running, I'm fused now. Veronica's totally fine. Veronica's gotta be tripping on shrooms now. Thinking that she can hide. Veronica's done for, there's no doubt now. Notified next to King. Veronica's trying to Knock, knock. Hard pivot from some some deep stuff. Uh, How dare you hard pivot from my <laughs> my soul bearing and emotional moments? It's, it's okay. It's but that's what this show brings out though, and that's what's so kind of amazing about it, and why I think why people are so ferociously <laughs> cleaving to it, and oh, why it's totally. so popular. Absolutely. So there there is a line in this show: the only way Martha's and Heather's can be together is in heaven. This is actually a direct sort of grab from what didn't happen in the source film. Uh, this heaven idea of prom was originally going to be the way the film ended. The school was actually going to blow up and everyone was going to die in yep. a Shakespearean tragic end. <laughs> and uh, in full grease to <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer Beauty singing, oh turn back, whoa, turn back. Anyway. Yes. Uh, plays with this idea that they were all finally going to get along in heaven after the school blew up and just that it doesn't matter anymore. Right. And, in the, and I think the big, big message in that was, did it really ever matter to begin with? In the first place, sure. Yeah, but the budget of that film didn't allow for it to end that way, so they had to figure out this other smaller, easier Veronica survives and saves the day and of comes back all you know, charred. But I just find that sort of an interesting grab 
Martha's and Heather's can only be together in heaven. That's just sort of the mindset of where some of these people are. And so that's just kind of sad. And I think that's where a lot of people think still to this day. And I think if you still think that way, you're probably holding on to high school, honey. (laughs) I can't even imagine having that mentality being a 33-year-old woman. For me, you know, those sets of people can't get along. If you don't jive with me, then we don't get along and, like, that's fine. Knowing at at fundamentally the core that the awkward kids and the popular kids can only be together in heaven, that just hurts my soul because it's like I was the awkward kid and now, I mean, I guess I could conservatively say that I am popular among a very small group of people. Having that mentality is so just, it has blinders on it that need to be removed because you need to be able to see beyond that. And I think high school doesn't afford you that luxury. Like you only really see that when you become an adult, truly. And you're in the world beyond the parameters of high school with your cliques and your friends and the comfortable things that you know and you have to get uncomfortable. That's when you start learning that lesson. But in high school... That is absolutely not beyond the realm of possibility that they would say things like that. I, I I believe it's a saying, the things that they make fun of you for in high school or within those walls or in those parameters are actually strengths of yours and things that you have and uplift you and make you you and sh- are celebrated later on. And I'm just going to say it right now. Yeah, you are definitely popular amongst your fun click of friends because of the person you are that probably would have gotten you some flack in high school oh now you're gonna make me cry again steven don't do that (laughs) well what girl you're one of the nicest people i know so i'm just saying well i'm only i think i'm only half as nice and half as good and half as charismatic as the people that i hang around my co-host my wonderful my lovely my steven because without you i would not have come into the confidence that i have now and Um, If I hadn't gotten over my anxiety of, oh, he's not going to like you and given you my number, if I hadn't done that, we would not have this show right now. So all the things (laughs) happen exactly the way they're supposed to. So absolutely. And I think that's actually a really nice button. There's one last thing to sort of bring up with the show and all ties it all together. I love it. And they they quote it in there. And I'm probably going to like completely trash it. But just like this trashy source film and trashy show. <laughs> beautiful trash. Yeah, beautiful trash. I, uh, it, they, they say, I can't promise no more Heathers. High school may never end, but we can be 17. We'll make it beautiful. Like, this idea is the core of this show, right? Yep. To me, at least. Like, I, I think it gives me an, just this iota, this little inkling, this sprinkle this little nugget seedling of hope that even though we live in this fucked world right now, <laughs> you know, and like I, I, it's, it's stated like people are, you know, starting, you know, Gen Z has such a low outlook on, on the future. And like, so do we as millennials, like we absolutely oh, yeah. do like, totally. we have nothing, we have nothing, we have nothing necessarily to look forward to um, in a lot of ways. Cause our, I'm not, not age, not ageism, but like for a better part, like our elders aren't really letting go of old ways and the thinking and realizing that in 50 years, like we're not going to be doing things the same way, yeah. isn't really sinking in and we, we can't live how we've lived. And 
you know, these ideas of cliques and social structures and things like even in yeah. high school breaks it breaks you down, breaks it down to smaller worlds, right? Oh, but instead absolutely. of rebuilding yeah, but instead of rebuilding these social structures and, you know, paving a different way, richer getting richer, greed is king. And we just have to figure out a way to exist in it. So it's little nuggets like this show and little things like these songs and seeing these people trudge through this that really do give me hope. Yeah. Like I and I I just have to agree, like, we can be 17, so let's just dance, because it may be our last, as it says, right? It's yep. just life, so keep dancing through. <laughs> and I think this show is also a lovely way of showing that sometimes you can break out of your mold, and you can do things you didn't think you ever could. You yeah. can be someone you didn't think you can be. Fake it yeah. till you make it, right? I I love acting for the fact sometimes I take little bits from characters that I've played and I say, uh, I did that for three months. Yeah. I can continue doing that. It's the greatest gift that acting will ever give you is unlocking parts of yourself that you didn't know existed until you met the character who unlocked it for you. I am damaged Far too damaged, but you're not beyond repair. Stick around here, make things better, cause you beat me fair and square. Please stand back now, little further. Don't know what this thing will do. Hope you miss me, wish you'd kiss me, then you'd know I worship you. I'll trade my life for oh yours And once I disappear Wait, Clean up the mess down here What are some weak points in this show for you, Mary? <laughs> oh, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, God, do I actually have a nosebleed thinking about this right now? Kind of. <laughs> I think I actually kind of do. Forgive me while I figure out my life. I find the vehicle uh, of Heather Chandler after she dies coming back over and over a little weird. Okay, tell and me why. It just feels random and almost unnecessary. I can almost just see in the writer's brain that me like, I need to beef up this role because she's like an iconic piece of Heather's like history. So what do I do? What do we do? And sure. so we very much like the Dear Evan Hansen, we sort of see the dead guy. <laughs> come back now and then <laughs> and so here we are again with this I, I don't know there are moments i think it works and there are moments i don't think it works as sure. well i will agree with you i think that um sometimes having heather chandler post-mortem being the i don't know kind of not inner monologue but like you know having this conversation with Veronica and being the only person who can kind of hear her i can see kind of not necessarily breaks the fourth wall, but it does kind of take you out of the story for a minute because it is very like, you know, it leads to the campiness of this show, right? It kind of adds to that, that layer of camp. Although <laughs> this might, this might be a controversial opinion, but I'm going to say it anyway. So although I love the song itself, 
I think that it was absolutely a forced moment to have Kurt and Ram's fathers have a gay relationship. Veronica forging these letters stating that their relationship was gay and probably tapping into a stigma that everybody probably assumed about these two. I think the fact that it then became the catalyst for these two men to go, actually, I've been in love with you since our fishing trip, but I haven't been able to say it, kind of seemed like we were exploiting a very vulnerable moment where everyone is grieving these two students. And then these two dads go, actually, we're kind of in love. Even though it's flashy and wonderful, I could have lived without that moment, I think. That's fair. I will only state, uh, I the, the way that it was written, I can see how... Because the one dad was about to go in and like, this is a blight on my family. I d- what will people at the bank say? Right, like, that's right. Way we're in the spring awakening. Moritz offs himself oh, because of like, yeah. out- outward perception. The one dad goes like, no. I refuse because so uh, thus starts the campy act one opener. I absolutely know what you're saying. It does feel forced 1000%. Do I hate it? No. (laughs) Oh, no, no. We get to watch JD and Veronica have these little cute moments where they're like looking at each other going, um, the fuck is happening right now? Like, oh, well, maybe we didn't do such a bad thing. I do appreciate those little moments where JD is still trying to gaslight her into thinking that what they did wasn't wrong. So there's that. Yeah. I guess, yeah, that's really going to be my biggest thing. I'll, I'll wait for show notes for anything else, but that's, that's it for me. Well, I mean, I'm almost glad that it exists because I think this uh, helps us in uh, some tests that we have to run <gasps> with the show in our final table read of the season. It's my favorite part. You'll see. They almost all know how to read. Table read. Does Heather's the Musical pass these tests? Women. (laughs) No. None. There are no women. <laughs> there are in no this strong show. women in this show. There are no ditzy women in this show. There are there are no women. It's all men. They're in drag. Drag is not a crime. I, I just needed my platform to be able to say drag, drag is also not, not a crime. crime. Drag is not a crime. Uh, no, I I do believe I I will say firmly for myself that it does pass that test. Not only because our our protagonist is a strong female, but we also kind of have the different categories of women. I guess you could say that it we've... shows the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like this show is all of that. You know, absolutely the best way that I could have put that. Thank you for that because that's more succinct than I would have said (laughs) (laughs) uh how about race does the show pass the test of race i will say that i believe that the material itself does not specify a particular race you you don't need that i was just gonna say i've seen this with literally almost every color of person every heritage of person every culture of person in almost every role it's wonderful that way i don't think that specifically since it doesn't call for it i don't know then does it pass or fail that test it passes the test that's fair i mean there's nothing really spoken of or you know brought up so it's maybe negative points for that but also that's really not what this show is about it's about Mm -hmm. like humans experiences going through their own oh yeah trials and tribulations especially for high school so i mean one of those things um 
I don't know. Maybe that's something to to think about. Uh, representation. Ooh. I think I think because of the the gay dads are really ah. the only thing that gets represented well. Ah. Otherwise, the F word is actually dropped in the show. So. Uh. Like sexuality, especially among these teenagers, does seem to be a little bit fluid in in the sense that, you know, I, I do get kind of a sexual tension from the Heathers specifically just because they're so comfortable with each other. There is a possibility that, you know, in some iteration of this universe that you could have them be lesbians. I think the core idea of this particular Bechtel test is, is it required by the source material or is it required by the show to make it a better show? I mean, the answer is no, it is not required, but I think that it is nice to see it. In the very beginning of the show, they, they are dropping, unfortunately they are slurs, but they are dropping the idea that in this school there are people who are seen in the LGBTQ community but they are seen in a negative way but it is yeah. still there as we know from being in high school and being in college it's not something that is unfamiliar is it yeah. required no is it there yes is it there respectfully I don't think so yeah. but then you have to wonder like by the end do we realize that it doesn't matter that we all just need to like chill out we talk about like the whole breadth of the show and how it's represented throughout and i think sure maybe it finds its solace somewhere sure. <laughs> so i don't know does this story hold up without the music now of course it's a cult classic 1988 film the i have to say is, yes yes but and it's a story retold over and over over time so <laughs> the base of this story is the coming of age high school drama but there are how it... many sitcoms and series are out of this on television oh, but really though <laughs> But is it better with the music? Yes. 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 Could this show change era, time, or decade? I say yes. Yeah, I do too. I agree. I don't I don't think it matters. I love it being placed in this 80s. Big hands, scrunchies. I think it could. I think it could. Oh, it totally could. Amateur professional, Mary, where would you scale this <gasps> one to 10? Oh, I'm probably going to give this a solid 6.5 because, wow. and I, I'll, I'll give my reasoning. So I think not only do you need to have resources to be able to tell the story. So enough people to be able to, you know, kind of carry this, this really beautiful big story. You also have to have a Veronica who can fucking sing. It's like putting somebody in skates who can't skate to play Kira and I Xanadu. I love that this was a real thing for me and I, you are so abhorred by it it's that you true. keep bringing it up. Because it's true. You can't do that. So in my very humble and unasked for opinion, this is six and a half because you need to be able to have somebody who's got pipes. You need to have a cast that is able to tell this story convincingly. Like they have to live in this world the dance numbers are not very they're they're not Yeah, this is, this isn't necessarily a dance show, I would no, say. No, it's a but song there are show. some dance numbers. Yes, but. absolutely. But you you need to have somebody who has command of their vocals, not only especially if you're in, looking at Veronica's role specifically, they have to be able to command the stage and be able to tell us this story, but they also have to be able to sing it. Oh, it kills it. So I think six and a half, because it absolutely could be a community theater, it could be a college production, but you gotta have people who are on their fucking game. Because if you don't, it's gonna fall flat. I truly don't know where to put this. Because on one hand, I'm like 
low ball in this hard. Where I'm oh, like, are you now? <gasps> like, whoa. J- because I think the hardest thing in this show is the music. But then there is a part of me that's like, there's the full on material of the show. If you want to up the dancing, if you want to scale that up a little bit, like really get everything tight and stylized and in this Heather's world, I probably am going to agree with you at a 6.5. So I think it lives within this range sure. for me. Sure. So like, I don't think a high school should be afraid of putting this on. No. Would a high school put this version on that's not the high school edition of this show? Probably not. No. Yeah. So I would say this it's scalable and I think four at my low seven at my high it's all right around an average of like five five point five somewhere in there so I can appreciate that 50 years from now will it still be being staged would you show it to aliens yes and yes I think this one will be actually I hope so so much because I mean I know I've advocated for a lot of these shows that they be told in 50 years and that they be shown to aliens this is such a pivotal moment for the development of human beings is high school which sounds terrible but it's so absolutely true that you forge who you're going to be as an adult in high school or you figure out what the fuck you don't want in high school and you go for the opposite when you're an adult. I do think this will be being staged. I think it will live on as a fun, quirky piece. Oh, I hope so, so much. That might, that like we think about cabaret or something like that for some people. Yeah. Would I show this to aliens? I don't know. I'm on the fence about that one. I think I would just to maybe scare them. (laughs) (laughs) They meet a Heather and they're going to be like, "Ah." (laughs) because that's how aliens scream, you know. Can I just take a moment and appreciate the yeah. fact that you and I made both made this alien we really scream? Did. That was great. Apparently that's how aliens scream. So. Yep. Is it the E.T. scream? I feel like that's true. I feel like okay. that's true. There we go. Knowing that we're going to have an entire show notes episode on this is just still making my heart flutter. But I'm super grateful for the fact that you showed this to me, just like I say, after pretty much every show that we've done, except Oklahoma. But (laughs) (laughs) this is a timeless story, and it reminded me how good it feels to be 17 again. Uh, That is a gift that has, I mean, that is invaluable to me. 
forever grateful that I got to experience this and that I got to experience it with you. Cause I think that if we were in high school, I feel like we would be really good friends and I'm sad that we weren't friends in high school, but I'm really grateful that we're friends now. I didn't think I would like the show as much as I did and do it. Um, sure. I think it absolutely mirrors what you were saying in that it brings me back. It brings me back to what I was feeling at 17 and how, different and the same I am yeah and I having gone through the trenches known as high school I love being able to look back and smile and cry and say what were you wearing (laughs) 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 this story is timeless like you say and I I think it highlights good things that we can find in ourselves and bad things that we can find in ourselves and we always need to be aware of how we are presenting that not not only to others, but how we're presenting that to ourselves and check in with ourselves. And I think that is the biggest takeaway from me, at least in this watch of it. And I think there are many other things I can glean from watching different versions. And uh, I will always happily watch any time I can. And now I feel very lost because this is our season finale Normally, I ask you, what's the clue for the next show? Do I get to ask you that? Because we're doing a bonus? Or are you just leaving me high we're and dry? We're doing a bonus episode. Okay. Um, but actually, we're doing two bonus episodes. <gasps> and I'll, I'm just going to tease you oh. that one of them is going to be magical. But see, I'm just going to start singing strange magic. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, before we uh, croquet our way out of here, will you drop our socials, please, for those people who are listening? Yes, of course. If you want to chew us out, uh, write plagiarized love notes to us. <laughs> if you want to check in, you know, text like the Heathers couldn't. Yes. Page us. <laughs> Uh, to use an 80s reference. Nice work. Yeah. Give us a follow uh, from the top underscore podcast on Instagram. And if you wanted to really send us some notes and even tune in because we are building our season two season at the moment and we want to know what you guys want us to cover. So uh, send us an email at podcast from the top at gmail.com. Oh, well, I'm going to go sit and reminisce about being 17 again. And until next time, this has been. From the top, a wandering unicorn production. So you got the red scrunchie from the locker. What is your first decree? As the lead Heather. Brawless Wednesdays.